Right, I've got my next guest on my podcast, Andrea. Thank you very much for uh, for for uh, for agreeing after so long of me badgering her. She's uh, finally <laughs> agreed to come on. Um, you've told me many times how to pronounce your surname, but I do not dare try and attempt it. Can can you just tell everyone who, 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 what your yeah. full name is? Of course, Andrea Tiramos. All right, cool. Yeah. So uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to get you on the podcast is, as I mentioned earlier, we're here at Woodbury House, the art studio in Soho. We also got Mimboso here. And Mimboso, as I was explaining, is a wellness company uh, platform for people who give a damn about wellness in general, whether that's fitness, whether that's nutrition, mental health. I know you as an artist, but you overlap into a different sector, which is the mental health wellness side of things. I want to get onto that in a minute. Before I do, you're an artist. So taking it all the way back to a young girl, Mm -hmm. what is your background and how did you kind of develop and have a vision to become an artist? Um, I think when I was younger, I always, I always loved art and it was kind of, I remember certain teachers picking up on it early on Mm -hmm. that I had, you know, I was kind of maybe ahead of others at the time. Um, I remember being at school and I remember loving it, but not taking it seriously, not thinking it would be a career. At the time I wanted to go into like history and politics. And when I came to choose my A-levels, I didn't consider art at all. And it was my art teacher at the time that like begged me to please like, please choose art because you know you've got something there and I was like oh no miss it's going to take up all of my time I need to focus on this but then I thought okay you know what fair enough I'll choose it it'll be the subject I enjoy mm-hmm. um so I went ahead with it and then I think obviously at this age you're a young adult and you're starting to maybe discover who you are and I started to realize that certain stresses in in life my art would almost counterbalance that it was always something that I found really relaxing something that I almost found quite meditative. Okay. Um, so initially just sort of doing a punt, I then thought, okay, maybe this could be something I take further. Um, so yeah, just started exploring it and realised I'm just going to go for it. I'd rather do something every day that I love. Yeah. You know? So yeah, continued it. Um, I went to university, I went to Central St. Martins, I did fine art. Okay. Um, so I was there, did my foundation there, and then did my degree there. So just to interject slightly, yeah, yeah. I um, being one of the co-founders of, the, of, of, of Woodbury, I found, we found ourselves, me and Michael, and also the whole entire team here, almost by a bit of coincidence and a bit of luck that we found ourselves in the art market. Mm. We, we haven't got a background in art. And some may say that could hold you back, and some may say that in actual fact you don't need that background to go in, venture into new territories almost. Um, I've met some artists that have come from a very textbook background of art and I've come, I've met people that have got a, a very unconventional way. Your, your sort of take on it, your opinion, I mean, do you think going to things like university sets you up? Do you think that you could, you could bypass it and do something? What was your kind of take on it? I definitely don't think you need to. I don't think you need to go to uni. I think 100% you can bypass it. Um, you know, if you've got natural talent, you've got natural talent. The funny thing is with uni, it's not what everyone's perception is generally anyway. It's very much you're guided as opposed to, and no one actually taught me how to paint. So even at university level, doing a fine art degree, there was never a point when a tutor would sit and show me how to do something. Yeah. Um, you're kind of just, 
encouraged to find your own way. Mm -hmm. um, had a bit of a love-hate thing with uni, you know, but in hindsight, I'm glad <coughs> I went through it more. The main reason being it gives you a thick skin. It, it sort of strengthens you and toughens you up for the art world because, as you know, it can be a, a bloody tough place. So going through all the critiques and things like that, it was good for me. But I don't think generally, I think whichever way you find it, You've got to be determined. So it's whether you've got that yeah. determination to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would imagine if you're going to uni as well, you're exposed to like a different, um, well, you're networking at the same time. You're on a platform where other people are trying to achieve what you want to achieve. So you're all in it, you know, driving towards the same goal. And then you get educated on maybe a different way of doing things. Mm -hmm. And I think we were talking earlier about networking, yeah. exposing your, your, your work or your vision to a bigger, greater, greater audience. Because even if it doesn't catch fire then and then, one spark of a conversation can happen, which will lead on to meeting someone else. And then before you know it, you've got, you know, your network's expanded and you've 100%. got more opportunities. And I feel, even though this is quite cliche, I hear it all the time, your net worth is sometimes determined by your network yeah and and also the opportunities that will manifest from that um the importance of networking then you feel feel is something quite important for you i do i think more so in the last few years um i'm almost i've got a bit of a i'm quite obsessed with painting so it wouldn't be unlike me to be in the studio for days, weeks at a time and mm -hmm. not come out at all because I would just think I just want to get on with the work. I don't want to necessarily have to go to X, Y and Z. But I've realised now that it's not only what it does for you, it's generally you need that time away from the studio. You need to be meeting other people, like-minded people, whether they're artists or not, just to get that kind of energy from them because it feeds you in different ways. Yeah. So I do, I do definitely think within the last few years I've realised the importance of networking. And I love, I love people anyway, so it's a nice opportunity to just, you know, touch base with people, see what they're doing, get inspired, find that, like you said, find that spark again and think, actually, that's given me an idea to do this or, yeah. you know, we all need to support each other. So yeah. it's another way to do that as well, I think. Yeah. Um, I remember once in, this, in a different sector altogether, but property, I went to a property seminar and there was one guy standing up at the front and... I went along and I was kind of, like you said earlier, to coin your phrase, I had a bit of a um, love-hate relationship with networking because I know it's something you should do, but sometimes I feel like I can't fucking be bothered tonight. Yeah. You know, it just, you had this perception of like, I just can't bother to be, you know, networking and be happy and everything else. But anyway, I decided to go. And this guy said one thing about a clause or a law that you can exercise in property and I actually found out that that thing could save you thousands of pounds on a property. And if you kept on doing it on all loads of property over the years, it could save you tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands. If you scaled up, it could be millions. Yeah. So sometimes you don't know, unless you expose yourself to these great people or great events or content, you don't know what you're missing. You don't know what you don't know. So I think it's so important to basically get yourself out there. Yeah. With, totally you, with your art then, um, how would you class it as a, like a genre? Like what, what sort of type is it? I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, don't know. Um, I'd say I'm a contemporary artist because mm -hmm. I, do, I do a bit of everything, I, you know, whether it's from public art to art installations to traditional paintings. But yeah, I'd say I definitely have a contemporary artist more than just a painter just because of different things that I try to incorporate within 
those paintings, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, my favourite so far, what I've seen of your work, um, and at some point, and you can hold me to this. Yeah, I will. I will buy the telephone box <laughs> or at least get a replica of it because yeah, I yeah. think it's amazing so for the people that don't know what I'm talking about just explain how, how that came about it's a bit of public art mm -hmm. it's a red telephone traditional box that we got in London mm -hmm. um, yeah explain a little bit more about that yeah so one theme of my work is I do public art mm -hmm. um, and it's got an environmental theme so that came about I kind of stumbled on the public art um, side of things um, so I've been commissioned by different sort of whether it's councils or whatnot to maybe paint on something that's traditionally thought of as unappealing. So I've done paintings on like utility boxes and things like that. Um, so there's this phone box. As we all know, a lot of them are disused now. Obviously, there's no need for them. And it was going to be removed by BT. And a social enterprise called Public Space Jam approached me and asked me if I wanted to work, collaborate with them on doing something with it. Um, so we decided on creating an environmental piece to, to promote more greenery and cleaner air in London. So what we literally did, we just, we stripped it back and I hand painted the entire thing in oils um, with plants and flowers and to kind of really promote that the more greener we, greenery we have, the cleaner the air. I referenced my travels to like the Borneo and the Maui rainforest. Um, and I also wanted it to be interactive. So it's locked. They've taken away the, the phone. But if you peer inside, I've painted on the back wall the exact constellation of stars that you should be able to see from that point in London wow. if the air was clean. Because in, in Maui, I went, you could, stargazing was just phenomenal because there's no air pollution. Yeah. So it's just to show that if we were able to, you know... Which we all, we need to look after our environment more. We need to be more sustainable. And it's just, it's nice. It's still standing there. It's a, it's a permanent reminder. And what I like most about when I do my public art is the accessibility it's got for, for people, for the average person to interact and engage with art, which I think is so important. Because not everyone's, not everyone's got the confidence, not everyone wants to go into a white wall gallery space. Yeah. You know, it can be intimidating. It can be even be intimidating for artists. And then, you know, it's almost feel like, I, oh, I don't know what I'm supposed to think or feel, you know, whereas yeah. with, with street art and public art, the beauty of it is it, it's in your everyday, yeah. you know, so somehow you're engaging with it and it changes you, whether that's your journey to work or whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, the, 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 the phrase public art, um, the, most of the artwork in here at the moment is done by uh, Richard Hamilton. And um, as you probably well know, his, his, his story is pretty phenomenal, pretty epic. And he's, and he's kind of paved the way for so many artists today about pushing herself, doing more stuff in, in the public domain, rather than, as you say, the, the typical route that most people used to perceive artists or art to be mm -hmm. is in these very high, posh galleries where it can be, become very, very, very intimidating. I mean, me and my business partner once had an experience in Chelsea many years ago where the guy was just so... Um, I don't want to say rude, but he had a view of us, mm -hmm. the way we came in. We were a little bit dressed down and stuff like that. And it shouldn't be like that. Shouldn't art like should that. bring people together. 100%. Whether that is canvases, public art, whether that's music, whether that's singing, anything. It should bring, bring people together. So that brings me on to my next thing. What, what you showed me recently is you're bringing 
um, awareness about a space that Mimboso are also big advocates of, which is men mental health. I interviewed a very lovely lady, beautiful lady, recently called, goes by the name of uh, English M on, on Instagram, but Emily uh, Warburton, can't remember the, the double barrel name. Anyway, she knows who she is and shout out to her, but she was talking about mental health and, 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 and mental well-being. I want to talk to you about the bipolar Picasso. Mm -hmm. That's it, yeah. Um, how did that come about? What, 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 what is that? What's that project? Um, so it was basically inspired by, I've got several people really close to me who've got experience with different mental health issues or illnesses, um, and they're not really open about it. Um, for fear of being judged by society. And I just find that, over the years, I've just found that heartbreaking because it should, we should be able to be open the same way we'd be open if you had a physical ailment. You know, you wouldn't have any shame in saying, I've got something no, wrong, I've got a dodgy yeah. knee or what have you. Um, so it was an idea I had for a while. It basically involves me creating art installations of people who have experience with mental illness. So I create paintings, but I also, alongside each painting, I have an audio recording. So for each person, um, I meet with them, they sit for me. And it kind of, the audio side of it came about because as I was meeting each of my sitters, their stories were so important. And I thought, I can't, I have to incorporate this somehow into the piece, you know, because the words <coughs> were just so strong and gave such meaning to the overall piece. So yes, yeah, so I'd have a, you know, just an informal chat, kind of like how we are now, yeah. which then forms part of the final audio. So as you're looking at the painting, the visitor has the opportunity to pick up a pair of headphones, so it's really intimate. And as you're looking at it, you can hear like their innermost thoughts and feelings and experiences of what they've been through. Okay. It's just to start a conversation, really, okay. about it. Yeah. Okay. Um because I know we were speaking earlier about like the different types of like mental kind of issues that some people mm -hmm. go through. It could be on a very mild case. It could be on a very severe case. I mean, things like you mentioned schizophrenia, one of your friends, mm -hmm. you got also, obviously bipolar. Um, and many people are just too afraid to talk about it. I mean, there was one person I interviewed recently, as I mentioned, he's on every Sunday, great guy, phenomenal guy, Tim Lovejoy. And it was one of the questions I wanted to ask him because him in the public domain, I feel that it demonstrates that even the people that you regard at right at the top are suffering with stuff. Mm -hmm. You have Ricky Hatton that you... Yeah, he was a brilliant with. addition to the project. Yeah. yeah, I mean, boxing is very close to my heart anyway, and I think it's a transferable skill, not necessarily the fighting, but the mindset. But it just shows you that you could be a very strong individual, physically and mentally, but when something happens, as fast as you've come up, you can come down very, very, very quickly. What was his experiences like with, like, you know, you know, some of the stuff that he was educating you on? Yeah, he was great. He was actually one of my first sitters that agreed to get involved in the project, which was really good. It was a great boost because... And you just hit him up on Twitter, you say? Yeah, it was Twitter and then, um, yeah, it was through him and then his agent. And they, yeah, they loved the idea of the project. They wanted to get involved. So it's a, just to give a slight bit of background, it's a <coughs> form by Polo Picasso. Um, it's celebrities alongside members of the public because it frustrated me that the media would only highlight it when it concerns a celeb. But, you know, what about everybody else that's going through it? So I sort of, my idea was for each celeb I 
campaign and create a piece for, I would match it by doing a member of the public. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Ricky Hatton, he, the great thing about him is, like you said, he's such a strong individual, obviously phenomenal fighter and quite aggressive in the ring. But that doesn't mean you're necessarily going to have those tools out of the ring. And a lot of his were circumstantial. So because of things that happened within his career, so when he lost the Pacquiao fight and things like that, it really brought on a lot of his depression and he kind of had a downward spiral from there. But he's come so far and he's, he was so great with his, his words. And he, one of the things I remember vividly that he said in the piece was, there's no shame in seeking help, you know, especially, and a lot of men can relate to him and a lot of men, it's a societal thing, I suppose, but men have this perception that they need to, you know, be strong. And be not the talk. alpha male. Exactly. And not talk about their feelings as much. And he actually says, be a man and get help. Yeah. You know, that's what being a man is. It's getting yeah. help before it goes too far. He openly admitted to having a therapist even today. And he said, whenever things get on top of me, I'll talk to my therapist. Yeah. And then this is the name of his painting. And he said, and the world becomes beautiful again. Wow. You know, so it was, you know, really quite poetic. And it's, it just shows that somebody like him, they, they get it. And by people like him and Tim Lovejoy, by them being open, it's just doing amazing things because it can allow a member of the public who's watching or who admires them to think, okay, you know what, maybe I'm not going to ignore these feelings that have been inside me. Maybe I'm going to talk yeah. to someone about it. Yeah. And that was the idea behind the project. I wanted so many different people, all cross-sections of society, boxers and journalists and people who are unemployed. They have nothing in common bar the fact they've all got this shared experience with their mental health. Yeah, you had um, Kerry Katona. You also yeah. had the footballer turned boxer. Leon McKenzie. Uh, yeah. You had the uh, comedian... Yeah, yeah, and and a bunch of other mm -hmm. great, great, great people, and then not forgetting the just let's say the members of the public. Yeah. What was was that like a? I know they all suffered from some kind of mental, um, let's say, challenge. Yeah. But was there like a common thing that they all kind of said said how they got out of it, or or why they went into it in the first place? Is it like one event, or is it met sequences of events? What elongated their their kind of like their issues was there anything there it's interesting because after doing the pieces i kind of was able to reflect and kind of look and there were some people did so i mean there was such a range of although it's called bipolar picasso there's a range of um issues that are covered so it's bipolar schizophrenia anxiety depression um and a lot of them and a lot of people in general who have these challenges they try to find triggers or, you know, oh, actually, when I look back, you know, this happened when I was 14 or when this person died or whatever it could be. Um, it's a really hard question because I think some people are more vulnerable, perhaps. There's obviously, it can be hereditary to an extent. And there are, you are able to look back and think, maybe this event was a catalyst to what happened to me. But I'm also of the belief, the more kind of I explore this subject matter that sometimes I think we just have to be a bit more matter of fact about it, you know, and think, yeah, that might have triggered this and that might have not. And if this hadn't happened, this might have not. But also your brain is an organ. Yeah. Like with our other organs. And it might just be that there's a chemical imbalance, which often there is. So you just need to somehow treat that chemical imbalance, whether it's through medication or lifestyle changes like medication 
or health and fitness or what we're putting into our bodies. Mm. And I think if we can try and look at it a little bit, matter of fact, it will take away that stigma. You know, it's not always because you've not been able to cope with this. It might have just at some point it's going to come out, you know? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think, yeah. And there's different, all different ways that people deal with it. Some people do take tablets. Some people exercise is the way they handle it. Yeah. You know, some people, what they eat, some people just trying to have different stress relievers or having something that they love that they can put their energy into. Yeah, 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 yeah. I hear that. I, um, I interviewed a really good friend of mine, a guy called Shabazz Chowdhury. Shout out to him when he's listening. Um, he put me in touch with an artist that unfortunately at the moment we haven't done anything quite with yet, but really nice guy, a guy called Dot, 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 what his name is? Yeah, Watson, Dr. Watson. And he suffers, he's a Caribbean guy and he suffers from a kind of like a sickness or an illness, which I think is a, I think, I think it's something to do with the, his, his culture, basically. The sickle cell. Sickle cell, that's it. I was trying to find the right, yeah. right word for it. And, or the, yeah, no, um, what it was called. And he says that when he feels pain, because apparently it becomes very painful, it's almost like an asthma attack, but it runs through your, your, your bones and through your muscles and it becomes horrendous. He says the moment that he feels it, he picks, picks up a paintbrush and he starts painting mm-hmm. and he can channel all that pain or all that energy now into something creative, puts it on the canvas and he comes up with these beautiful works and they are stunning. With yourself, do you ever have like things like that where you, you might feel a bit overwhelmed, a bit like fearful, a bit angry or feel joy and then you start painting or do you just paint when you feel like it? It's funny actually, um, a while ago I was asked to write an article and about mental health and stuff. So I straight away wanted to write all about the project and stuff and they said, no, no, we want to hear about your mental health. And I was like, my mental health? Because I've been so used to doing, every, you know, exploring everybody else's issues. And yeah, the answer is yeah. I realised that throughout my life, whenever things have got tough or whenever I found things overwhelming, and this was one of the reasons why I did decide, I think I want this to be my career, the paintbrush and the paint palette, that's always been there. That's like my therapist. That's my bottle of pills. That's my thing that I can get lost in and just put my focus on it. Yeah, And I definitely think it's helped me. And I think without it, I might have to sort of pursue other avenues in order to feel that way. But I'm lucky enough that I've found that thing that is my kind of crutch, but maybe a healthy crutch. You know, people yeah. have got their different things. But yeah, for me, it definitely emotionally and it just relaxes me. And I can be, don't get me wrong, I'll have people listening to this that are like, yeah, right, we're trying to like pull you out of the studio at yeah. three in the morning and it's unhealthy. You know, it can turn into that as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like my love. I just, yeah, I'm completely obsessed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think there's that paradox, isn't it, between something you really, really enjoy, immerse yourself in, but then sometimes if you go too far into it, mm. it becomes this obsession which sometimes isn't always healthy. And I think we all flicker between, you know, like overdoing it and maybe under, you know, I certainly do it with the gym sometimes. Like I've slowly started recently to think, okay, if I go to the gym now on this fourth or fifth day in a row at this time and do this kind of session, I'm going to be burnt out. But then there's another thing in my mind being probably, probably Mao again, like an half Mao. Oh, 
go, you, you know, stop being a pussy. You got, yeah. you know, that that kind of attitude. And I just feel, feel sometimes powering through all the time isn't the best thing. But your love for it keeps you going. I've seen, yeah. I've seen your Instagram. His five AM <laughs> and his shots and then his boxing. <laughs> you know that. The average person would struggle with that, but because you love it so much, yeah. you know, you look forward to it. It gives you the motivation to just... It, yeah, it does. Yeah. It does. And um, But then there's sometimes I overdo it and I'm just like, yeah. I just got like, I'm just drained. So what's next for um, Bipolar Picasso? What, what are you going to kind of evolve it into? Yeah, so it's an ongoing project. So I did, um, I did have a solo um, a couple of years ago now with it. Um, but it had, and I did think at the time it was just going to be a one-off project that I'd kind of get out of my system and that would be that. But the feedback I got from it, from people that visited and from different, I got really um, just general good feedback that I should be doing more with it. So I'm going to be definitely continuing it. Okay. It's going to be an evolving project. Okay. So yeah, yeah, hopefully at some point I'll be having another show, get some pieces out there. Just I just want as many people as possible to be able to experience them. Did you get any kind of uh, fundraising or support or was it literally, you know what, I've got an idea, I'm going to fucking go after it and I'm going to do it with complete passion? Yeah. That was it? That was at the time. Um, because at the time I was doing it, because mental health now is quite a hot topic and we're all talking about it more and it's great. At the time when I had the initial idea, it wasn't as much. So I did struggle for kind of galleries to see how this would fit in. And then it got to the point where I just did think, fuck it, I'm just going to do it myself. So I saved up funding for it. I just rented out a space. I did all the press myself with me and my mum sat in the kitchen, contacting press, phone calls, everything. I dedicated six months to just work on it nonstop. I had to turn down commissions and whatnot. And it was great. I mean, at the end of it, you know, um, Guardian and a lot of people covered it and things like that. So... Yeah, it's one of my proudest sort of achievements. And then the good thing is since then, I've had different support from organisations and galleries and stuff. So hopefully it will be bigger and better. And Okay, Yeah. cool. Um, if you were to give advice to someone who wanted to become an artist, mm -hmm. what would be the first things that you would recommend someone to do? It's fucking hard to make sure you love it. Yeah. yeah. Like genuinely. Yeah. And it's not all going to be daisies and sunshine what, you know what like with anything yeah but yeah sometimes people think oh you can wake up you have a coffee you paint a bit you do this you've got like with anything creative i suppose whether it's the music industry or writing you've got to be so dedicated and because it's just you you've not got anybody telling you when to do this and what not to do and you know you've got to set your own deadlines you've got to be your own boss um so i think just as long as you love it go for it Keep going and stay true to yourself as well, because it's quite easy to sort of think. I remember when I was at uni, painting wasn't that fashionable at the time. I remember having different tutors sort of saying, oh, but why don't you try 4D and 3D and sculptural and stuff? And you have that moment when you're like, oh, my God, is what I'm doing not? But you have to stay true to what is your specialism. So, yeah, stay too, true to yourself. Cool. Yeah. Um, and... You're not just a, I was going to say this anyway, but being an artist, it's not just an artist, like many other things. There's other elements to being mm -hmm. an artist. You've got to know how to promote yourself. You've, yeah. got, you've got to know how to, you know, advertise your work. You've got to know how to network. You've got to know to be a business person. I mean, Bipolar Picasso is, is a business, it's a brand. So 
what's your recommendations that anyone being being an entrepreneur for the first time whether it's in art or whether it's in something else what would you suggest being a, a young entrepreneur yourself um i suppose yeah everything you've just said like you've got to explore all different avenues you can't i mean and i'm i can be rubbish at this myself but you do have to you've got to do the social media you've got to do the networking you've got to recognize that it's not just the product as such it's everything yeah. that goes with it yeah yeah um and I suppose to a degree, there's the branding, like you've said. But then I also think not to get too caught up in that, mm-hmm. you know, because ultimately it is the product and the product. So obviously in my case, it's the art. That should still stand strong. If for some reason you had to take you out of the equation, that should still represent you and be the, so, you know, that's got to be your main focus. But then you've got to also put time in for everything else. You uh, read a book called Life Leverage, which is um, by my mentor. I've been on this podcast as well with Kieran Richardson, Rob Moore, uh, disruptive entrepreneur. He's a great guy, great platform, and he supports me regularly. Um, In that book, the principles of it is leverage certain things out that other people can either do better than you Mm -hmm. or just can support you in. have you adopted any of them, them things yet? Like in your business and in your work or is it something you're still trying to No, I have. Out? I have. Because I remember, I remember walking home reading that first chapter where he speaks about that guy that he ended up getting in trouble at work because he sourced, yeah. he sourced to somebody else. And then you suddenly realise that's actually bloody genius. Like yeah. if he's able to do that, that makes complete sense. I have started to. So for example, back in the day, I would struggle. I'm not a techie person. At all, hence why I'm st- I'm a traditional, you know, painter. I'm absolutely the same. Oh my god, I'm a dinosaur when it comes down to. Yeah, uh, I don't know what's wrong with us. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so I would struggle and try and do my own website, for example, um, and things like that. But now I have realised, no, you've got to, you know, you can outsource that. You can get somebody to help you who is not only great at that, but who loves that. So there's a, there are things that I am trying to learn. But I'm one of those people I always want to. You know, like first before I ever knew how to make a canvas, because I don't know how to do this, but I'm going to learn it, you know, and now I love making canvases. So I think I'll always try as much as I can to see if I can manage it. And then if not, I'll accept defeat. I was like, okay, Andrew, you're useless at this. Just get somebody else to help. Because in an ideal world, like being creative, being someone who's very passionate about your, your, um, your work and obviously your projects, it would be nice to have like an infrastructure and a team where you can focus on what you're really good at and everybody else that works on the other aspects. Um, I I see it with like boxers. At the very, very early stages, they have to kind of do everything themselves. And you have to because it's part of of learning, part of coming up. But then later on, when they get their nutritionist in there, they get a sports therapist in there, they get their boxing coach in there, their management, their promoter, it all comes to, kind of comes together. It's a, but it's kind of hard making that transition yeah. um, as the journey unfolds because you know what you should kind of be doing, which is focusing on like the real good things that you're great at, but then obviously letting go on certain aspects. Do, do, do you sometimes find it's a little bit hard to like give a bit of responsibility away? I think so, yeah. And it's that loss of control if you know... I'm a bit of a perfectionist when it yeah. comes to the art, so... I think it's just accepting that you need to sometimes give that away. I mean, I'm not at the position yet where I'm, you know, I don't have the luxury yet of be of worrying too much about that. But I think 
like you said at the end of the day, it's being more productive, isn't it? You're able to be more productive if you're a, if you can do, if you can delegate, and if yeah. you can have accept help. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's just accepting. You know, with this, people know better than you, so just let it go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's. I, I'm glad you said. Like, I know it's only one small thing, but about picking up a book and reading and getting mm. some great messages and education, because I feel that not enough of people, including myself are reading enough or exposing themselves to good content. I feel at the end of the day, great leaders are great readers. And I feel that the way you're going to develop as a human being is because of all the regular content of things that you're reading. Mm-hmm. Um, how important do you feel it is just to continue educating yourself about all aspects of different things? Because I was taught that, not taught, but the culture was, oh, once school's finished, you're, you're finished with learning. Actually, it's far from it, in my opinion. And you're a great advocate for that. You're always learning, you're always soaking things up and you're always sort of proving that you can, you're not always, you're not the finished product. You can continue to improve and that will help in every aspect of yourself. Um, No, I agree. I completely agree. I think it's not. I mean, the things I've, I've learned and that I've soaked up and things I've experienced and shows and talks and books I've read and podcasts I've listened to, it all, it all has, it all feeds into each other, you know, and it feeds into conversations you have and art that you can create and energy within people and places and everything. And I think we should never stop learning. You know, I think once you've, again, once you've found that thing that interests you, there's, there's never a point. Um, Yeah. I go to artist talks and even like film and theater and things like this and just, and even picking up a book that you wouldn't ordinarily pick up as well like yeah. with the Rob Moore you know that's not something I would normally think to myself let me pick that up but I did and I found oh actually this really relates to me yeah so I think stepping outside your comfort zone is really important as well yeah because it can just it can help you in ways you could never imagine but if you've never taken that chance it's what they say isn't it you've got to take the risks you've got to yeah. better improve yourself if you stay comfortable you're never gonna you're never gonna grow as an individual no. you need to What's the acronym, which is fear, which is you can either um, fear everything and run or face everything and rise. Uh, and sometimes yeah. when you're looking at uh, outside your comfort zone and you have this perception of, well, what is that person going to say? How am I going to be criticised? Am I going to fail? Am I going to look stupid? The thing that I personally motivates me is, do you know what, in... My goal was to get over 100 years of age and I will hit it. Which you let's, will, of course. And let's just say, you know, at 110, I'm going to die, right? So I've got a certain amount of hours on this on this earth. And I always say the same thing. Life is not rehearsal. You've got one shot. So because of that, fuck it. Just go and do it. It's true. It's almost like if someone said to you, you've got one hour and you can go into this house and it's got every single thing you could possibly ever want or enjoy, food, good games, swimming pool, gym, what would you do? You wouldn't probably stay in one room, you would explore the whole entire place. Well, life is that big house, isn't it? And you've got to explore the whole entire fucking thing. Because if you come out of there and you've only had one element of it, you've not really, yeah. not really lived. Yeah, so it's important. true. Uh, often we've got one life, we've got to just go for it, yeah. I went on a bit of rant there, so what is, next for you personally what are your goals in the next five years i put you on the spot oh you put me on the spot bloody hell um i think to continue 
yeah, to just keep doing what I love. I want to, I want the, I definitely want Bipolar Picasso to be bigger and better, whether that's touring it, taking it to different cities perhaps. But yeah, I want to continue doing that, getting more and more sitters involved. Um, possibly, yeah, just loads of different things. I want to continue with my public art as well. Um, so although they sound very different, they've still, both themes have worked over that kind of different, I suppose, like societal conscience. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, just keep, just keep going, keep painting, be happy. Yeah, good stuff. Um, I want to wrap it up shortly, but challenges. Yeah. As an individual, we all go through challenges and it's kind of how you deal with it. And mm -hmm. this kind of touches on the mental health side mm -hmm. and stuff. But as an artist or as an individual, what are the, some of the main challenges you've come across and how, you, how have you kind of dealt with it? Um, so as an artist, probably initially kind of that trying to get into the art world, I think. Um, and again, it's just perseverance perseverance helps and determination so like we said with bipolar picasso i just thought okay i'm gonna do it myself and then that's given me that kind of in um yeah and personally i think it's just recognizing what's important priorities doing more of what makes you happy yeah and realizing like we were just saying you've got this one precious amazing life yeah you know and whether that's helping others or i think that, that that's part of it as well with the art i think I like to hope that if I can just have one person that experiences the artwork and it changes them in some way or encourages them to talk about their mental health, yeah. that to me is I've, I've sort of done what I wanted to do. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's really, really cool thing because you can look, I'm not saying life is all about making money because it obviously isn't. It that definitely helps like, you know, and you can, if you make money you can invest it or give it away and support friends family and people in need so that's why i think it's quite important so with painting art you can sell your work and you can make a good living or very good living if you get to the very good heights but then there's a secondary benefit which is you can bring awareness to a certain aspect mm -hmm. of life that people are in denial of mm -hmm. or don't want to talk about or feel secluded uh, isolated and I think that's such a nice thing that you're doing and I can really see it take off because who wouldn't who wouldn't want to help an artist or that kind of thing you know it's it's such a such a nice cause basically you must have had some people hitting you up I remember when you told me about probably not affiliated to that project but Swiss Beats didn't he hit, hit you up once yeah um yeah we he started following me on instagram um and then i met him at one of his shows that he had in no commissions show and he oh he's lovely we're talking earlier about humble people yeah oh he's one of the most humble people i've ever met he's such a nice dude he, 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 i've never met him but appears to be really yeah. good and also what he's actually doing for the art world is just amazing his whole idea behind no commission and giving power back to the artist and the individual um because it's kind of the art world, it seems to almost be separate to other creative industries in the way that it works. And he's recognising it shouldn't and doesn't have to be like that. So he's yeah. almost being this amazing sort of representative on behalf of all of us. But yeah, it's great. I mean, the power of social media and getting your work out there, it's great because you never know who might see or come across your work. So yeah. there's been a few moments like that that's yeah. been pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. I think it's... Um 
very similar to what we said about networking or reading the book you can read one thing which can spark an idea give you inspiration or just educate you on something where you 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 follow that path and it can turn into something great networking the same and and posting i spoke to tim lovejoy about this because the paradox between you know um, advertising and using it as a bit of a business platform, but then also getting pulled in sometimes and losing hours of your day because you're on social media and becoming a little bit kind of frustrated about how the world posts and, you know, how they perceive to be and everything else. But going back to my very, very principle, what I was trying to say is if you post certain things and you're an artist, you could pull in, you never know who's watching you. You could pull in someone great and then you, you expand your network and I just feel like great opportunities actually develop off the back end of that. It's, 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 it's important to get your message out and also your work. Um, so is there anything that you're doing currently right now where people can follow you, watch your staff, appear at one of your events? What are you currently doing at the moment? Um, I should have some public art going on in July um, in the East London area namely just off of Old Street. Um, but yeah, you can keep up to date on my website and I'm also on Instagram and Twitter. What's your handle on Instagram? Instagram's Andrea underscore Tiramos. Tiramos, yeah. okay, cool. At Tiramisu without the U. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> um, my little uh, line at the end is be happy, never content. Um, I used to try and educate people why I say that, but if I were to say that to you, what does that mean to you? Be happy, never content. I think it's pushing further with what you deserve, actually, because content is just everything's cool, it's all right. But be happy is finding what's your happiness, cool. and it's all your inner happiness. So like your calling. What, yeah, yeah, find your calling and your purpose. Yeah. And once you've found your purpose... You're sorted. Wicked. Yeah. You're coming to our event next week, yeah? I am. I'm excited. Yeah. So this podcast is going live next Wednesday, which will be the 8th of May 2019 on the Stephen Sally study. We're going to share it over Mimbo, so we're going to share it on Woodbury House as well. Um, and hopefully maybe you'll share it. Definitely. And um, the day after, we have the day's event. Um, the first time he's coming over to... Um, to, 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 to London and doing a show, doing a live mural. We've got a pop-up gallery in Bateman Street in Soho. We're doing a collaboration with Rag and Bone. The final thing is, as, as an artist, have you ever got inspiration from other artists, people like Days or people in, you know, in, in, in let's say in your genre or in your field? Have you anyone yeah, that you definitely. look up to? Yeah, well, like with Days with the street art and stuff, it's kind of, I mean, there was a time that we wouldn't even call it street art. We would say graffiti and it wasn't appreciated. And somehow there's been that turning point yeah. that allows people to really see it as beautiful works of art that's accessible to everyone. So yeah, yeah. I'm constantly inspired. Too much so. Walk down the street and just, yeah. <laughs> Wicked. Well, I look forward to seeing you uh, next week and I really, really, really appreciate your time. No, thank you so much for having me. No thank problem. You. Thank you. Thanks. Cheers.